Welcome to the Money Talks Money Matters podcast. We're here to take away the stigma of money and provide a transparent platform of knowledge for anyone that tunes in. The goal is to give 20-year-olds the perspective of 80-year-olds in regards to business, finance, and decision-making. My name is Darian Williams. And I'm Sean McHenry. Josh Block has built an empire buying and selling furniture, but this isn't a Gary Vee Facebook marketplace type business. This is an operation with big name retail chains as clients. From being more on the introverted side to leading his business and sales force with charisma and confidence, Josh breaks down key strategies to improve how we network and form meaningful relationships. This is episode 14 on the Money Talks Money Matters podcast. Let's launch right into it. It's great to have you. It's great to see you. Um, Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Would you like to give just a little bit rundown on your life and how you got sure. started? Of course. So uh, I'm uh, 49 years old. I grew up in New Jersey, central New Jersey. Um, wasn't the best high school student, so uh, didn't get into the best college, but my family is huge about education. I'm one of three boys. I'm the youngest. So I uh, went to the University of Hartford in Connecticut. Um, shockingly, I was a extremely shy kid growing up, didn't talk a lot, a little bit of an introvert. Um, but when I got to college, like the day before, my dad had said to me, uh, listen, you could be anything you want when you get to college. You could be a different person. You could change something you don't like. Um, no one knows you there. So think about that. And uh, I did. I thought about it, and I knew that I wanted to be a little more out of my shell of a person. Um, uh, you grew up in a family, you know, everyone's hardworking, you had to have a job when you were 16, you had to have a job as soon as you got to college. So as soon as I got to college, I said, let me find a job that I can do where maybe I could be a little more, you know, talkative. So I decided to give tours. I went to sign up to give tours on campus uh, about three weeks after I got to college. And uh, the people there were like, what do you mean you want to give tours? We have to, to like, beg kids to give tours. You, you're volunteering. I was like, not volunteering, but I heard they pay to do it, and I'd love to do it. Um, so I ended up working for the director of admissions there for all four years I was in college. Uh, I kind of built up the ranks of um, things at, at admissions, not just giving tours, but we built a program. And throughout the four years, I became very involved in many, many things in school. I became much more talkative, much more outgoing, took a ton of classes, you know, studied business, but took a ton of classes on um, public speaking and things where it would put me out there. So I was in student government and I was in a fraternity and had a phenomenal experience. Um, I met my wife there freshman year, first day of school, freshman year of college, like moving wow. in. She lived uh, two uh, floors above me. Um, and I have to give her a ton of credit because she's always been an outgoing person. Her family is a huge outgoing group of people. And I was very, uh, I was enamored by that. Like, uh, wow, look at this confident 18 year old girl. Like, so it, it certainly gave me the confidence as well. Um, so when I graduated college, my wife's family uh, owned a large growing furniture wholesale business based out of Philadelphia. And uh, as they were growing, um, my wife's uh, father said, why don't you go join the company? You can start at the bottom and see it's something you like to do. Uh, so I went down there. In fact, back then uh, in the 90s, I very little money. So they weren't paying me a lot of money. It was really a training session. So I lived with my 
uh, girlfriend's parents at the time. <laughs> kind of fun stories from that different podcast. Um, and, uh, you know, woke up every morning at 5 a.m. and didn't come home till 10 at night and, you know, learned the furniture industry and, you know, really like started in a warehouse. I mean, I'm a little guy working. Uh, then I, you know, moved up and worked in the credit department and kind of hit all the departments. Uh, really learned about the industry. Um, I really fell in love with it, uh, mostly sales. That's really the part that I loved. A lot of it was my personality or just being an outgoing person and, and connected to people a lot. Spent a lot of time reading up on how to connect with people, going to seminars about how to, I mean, back then we didn't have uh, YouTube or Instagram and, and TikTok to, to learn because I still do it on those social media sites and love it. Yeah. I think it's, I can't get enough of it. Um, and just content, continue to really build a network, which is to me such an important thing uh, in business and how you continually build your network. Um, and I don't think it's just in business. I think it's everywhere. It's in your family life. It's it, because it all pours over, right? You could be sitting on an airplane next to someone and you have no idea what they do. Um, and then you start talking to them and you know, they may know somebody who knows somebody who knows someone, and all of a sudden it could be good for your business, it could be good for your family life, or you could be a, a nice person. Yeah. So do you have like a networking rule? Uh, well, a networking rule, well, I, I certainly have a rule where when I sit down next to someone, I make sure I, sit, I speak to them. I'm the person who, hey, how are you? Nice to meet you, stuff like that. Uh, I don't know if I'm an overly talkative person when it comes like that. I'm not going to annoy someone, but definitely the first person to put my hand out and say hello and uh, I think the more you do it the more you can uh, have some self-awareness of what kind of person you're sitting next to or who, what kind of if you're in an environment a social setting or a business uh, environment you go to a uh, seminar or any a conference and you meet someone uh, or a group of people you can tell very quickly uh, how that is um, so a rule I think you talk to everybody I think that's the rule um, because you never know what you're going to do, the worst thing they're going to do. You'll get very quickly that they're not interested and you move on. But you may learn something from someone, right? Yeah. yeah. I want to go back to the beginning of the story where when you first started working in the warehouse, did you have a ton of motivation or what kept you going when you had those really long days of doing really simple, sure. low class work? <clears throat> not low class, low value, I would say. Yeah. So, first of all, I think I'm more than anything an extremely driven person. I think that since I was a little kid, that's just how I've been. Uh, I come from a family of extremely driven people. My dad is self-made, born in Brooklyn. He had no money. He had to you know, put himself through college. Uh, became a very successful real estate guy. Um, taught incredible values to my brothers and I. Yeah, you work hard. And if you work hard, you'll have nice things if that's what you want. Um, as a young kid, I grew up seeing nice things. And I knew there's only one way to get it. Right? You had to work hard for it. Um, and I think because of the values my father had taught me and my parents, uh, watched my older brothers the same way. Um, you work really hard and, you know, it's, it really is one one people's two. I mean, there's, there's no shortcuts to it. Like you hear and you read, there's not. Um, it takes a lot of time to do that. So to me, I always liked nice things and there were certain things that I wanted. And that always changes, right? So when you're younger, you're, I was into cars, I was into the stereos of my car. So I worked hard because I wanted to put those things in my car. <laughs> yeah. Looking back, I say, boy, I wish I had that money back. And <laughs> yeah, I didn't need that, but yeah. I fully understand that. 
Um, but it played an important role. You would say huge role. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just the motivated, driven person. I want to continue to do better, be better, and then as I become a parent, I want to teach those and instill those values in my children, so they understand it. Um, I don't think it's about materialistic things. I think it's just about because you know I don't expect my children to have want what I want. They don't have to. They you know, they can do whatever they want. I just want them to be happy and successful. But I think to do those things, you have to have some drive in you to do it. You know, not not being into laziness, uh, not like a sleeper. I wake up every morning at like 4.30, quarter to 5. I have never in my life set an alarm, ever. Um, I just say, like, I got to be up at 5.15 to get to an airport, and that's it. And I go wow. to bed when I wake up. It's 5.15, I don't know. I mean, I know plenty of people do it, but that's just how I am. I'm, I think sleeping late is like, to me, like, you're wasting time. You know, even on a weekend, you're just, you're just wasting. I'd rather, I'd rather be up more than be asleep, right? Yeah. It sounds like instead of like a fear of failing, it's more of a trust in yourself type of thing. Where like you trust that um, I'm going to wake up at this time and you kind of act upon that. You don't like lie to yourself as far as that stuff. Yeah, I think, well, a fear of failing, I think when you're younger, when I was younger, I'm sure. Certainly, even now, I'm not looking to fail, but as you get older, and as I get older, I think I've become wiser because I learn and see what I've done, that you're going to fail. In the beginning, you don't want to. You're a young person, and you want to just nail it, and you think you know everything. I certainly know I was that way as a young guy. And as you get older, I think you see and you learn from, well, that mistake wasn't a good one, but I certainly learned from it, and if I... If I didn't make that mistake, I probably wouldn't have gone this direction or I wouldn't have gone that and done this. And maybe during that time when you make the mistake, you could be hard on yourself because obviously it's not a good mistake in business or whatever you do. Uh, but afterwards, you realize I probably needed to do that to continue to grow. And you'll probably hear that from you know everybody from Warren Buffett now, right? Like they'll tell you the same thing. You, you gotta fail. Yeah, so what are some big mistakes or failures that have been implemented, implemented in your life that you've learned from in your, in your college career, in your business career, or even being a, like, you know, like a parent? Sure. Okay, so uh, I'll be the first to say that if I could do it all over again, I probably would have worked harder in high school, so I could have gone to a better college. Uh, and I say that even though I didn't go to a great college, but I, I made a success out of myself at any college, and I, and I do believe that, like, it doesn't matter where you go. To me, though, as I went through these college application years with my children, um, I saw that, wow, these schools are competitive, and, you know, what's interesting to me is when you go to a certain school or a certain level of college, you're now amongst a different level of kids. So, you know, my son is at a very competitive college, so he's with these kids. They're a different intellect. They're, they're challenging you every day because you're in that environment. I really wasn't in that environment. Um, and I kind of wish now, as I'm older, that I, I was. I wish I was probably with more students around me that just challenged me like a little more than just having a party at college. Yeah. Um, so a lot of part of my college experience was, no complaints, loved it. Um, but... At one point, like by senior year, I was all focused on what am I going to do, and I, to, I remember 
kids were like, what do you mean you're going for job interviews? Or what do you mean you're, you're working on your resume in the career center? And I remember my older brothers went to better schools than me. They had, I could just see, they're just a different group of people they were with. And so to me, was it a mistake? I can't say it was a mistake because I met my wife there, I had a phenomenal experience. But if I could do it all, I probably would have tried harder. Uh, and so I tried to tell my children, you know, listen, try to try a little harder than what mom and I did yeah. so you can get to that next level because you should surround yourself with people who challenge you and um, want more things and do more things and not just go there to check it off the boxes, go to school. Yeah, I have a friend, uh, you actually know him, um, he went to UPenn, but he had the option to go to one school where it was completely paid off, scholarships and everything, mm -hmm. or you can go to UPenn and take on debt. And he was valedictorian of the school. And uh, he, when I was having a conversation with him about it, he said, I'm basically paying for box seats every hour to go to class. And it's rough. But he said he needed to be in an environment where he's a, not the smartest person in the room. Sure. He said he sits next to a kid that's double his intellect. And mm -hmm. he's like, it pushes me beyond a level I didn't know I can achieve. And he said that alone is worth it in every penny. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting. And, and I think that's actually a great experience that when you are probably a really bright person in your bubble, in your environment, right, in a vacuum, and then you get thrown into a school or an environment where all the smartest kids or the people at that level are all together, and you're, you're, you're not the smartest anymore, and you should be. It's, it's a learning experience. You're 18, 20. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the greatest, the, the successful, uh, to me, you're continuing to learn. And so... You should be. You should be continuing to learn because it helps you grow, and and the mistakes come with it. And I'm sure I'll make a dozen more. Uh, I'm probably the first person to always say in business, uh, people are like, oh, sorry, that was my fault. Or someone will say, oh, I, I made this mistake. I'm like, I'm not really about the faults. I'm about what do we learn from what we just did, and then let's move forward so we don't do that one again. Um, and how do we apply that mistake to everything? Right? Don't just put it right there. And so oh, I made a mistake doing this. So I won't do this anymore. What if this? Let's make sure this mistake doesn't happen all over, right? So that has to be the coolest thing that I've learned, especially going last year and just throwing myself into random avenues and trying different things all over. I found myself constantly every time I made a huge mistake and I learned from it. It applied to ten different areas, and it was. I thought it was going to be a linear growth where I was making mistake, learn from, making mistake, learn from, but it was compounding and almost at an exponential rate. And I found myself achieving things faster and further than I thought I could actually do. Yeah. It's really cool you apply that. Yeah. I think also on the second part, because I got away a little bit from the question, um, I think some mistakes are overall in the beginning. I just wanted to think fast, um, which was just a mistake because when you're young, you want it as quickly as possible. Yeah. So if I slowed down a little bit and took a little more time, um, you know, if you go, you know, there's five steps to a procedure. You can't go one to four. You can't go, you got to go one, two, three, four, five to, in that order for it to understand it. And, Sometimes you have to go back to one or go back to two from four because that's how it works. Um, so I think I probably would have maybe slowed down a little bit um, at times so I could spend more time learning certain things so I didn't have to go back and do it again. Well, what were some of the things that you wanted to skip over and probably did skip over? Uh, the boring stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure in any job, like, listen, you can, you can do a lot of jobs. I mean, I worked in an environment where there were so many departments and some of them I didn't love. So I probably didn't express as much interest, but those are the ones where I did them and then I didn't find the most interest. And I found myself going back 
So years later, going, yeah, yeah, that was a little bit of a weakness for me because I never paid attention to that one so much because I, I didn't have so much of an interest in the accounting department. <laughs> like even though I don't, you know, I'm not an accountant, uh, but it would be nice if I probably took a little more interest, and probably took a little more seriously. It would have helped me down the road. So did you ever see like the like a furniture business as long term? Like when you started to work, were you like, I'm doing this for a while? I don't know. I, but no, I think when I was, I graduated college, there was an opportunity for this job. I saw my father was an extremely successful guy, uh, still is. He's a great mentor to me as well. Um, so I said, wow, that's, that was a cool opportunity. Um, and I could learn a, a lot of things. I had no idea where it was going. I think in the beginning when I spoke to um, uh, my father-in-law and uh, his brother, because they ran the business on the business together, they said, um, yeah, come on in, you're gonna love it. And I was like, well, I'll give it a try. And they're like, give it a try, what's there not to love? <laughs> when you're like 23, yeah. you, you, you're- There's you know, so many different paths you can take. I didn't know, I didn't know what yeah. I was doing at all. I mean, you're, you're kind of like just a kid. So I love the environment. They had this amazing environment of a business where, uh, it was a family environment. I knew the company had almost 300 employees and uh, distribution centers throughout the country. And so it was just a great environment to learn about business. Um, and it helped me really grow over the years. Got you. And then out of like the 300 employees, how did you stand out? Uh, how did I stand out? So I, I, first off, they, they treated me, you know, like every other employee, there was no special treatment whatsoever. In fact, I would say that I probably had to work twice as hard because there was a bit of a microscope on me because yeah. I was the you know, boss's daughter's boyfriend. We eventually got engaged and got married. Um, but, you know, nothing was handed to me ever. It was never like that. Um, there were other family members as well. And we were all, you know, just no one felt like, oh, there's this hierarchy of this or that. Um, so I think that there was just... To me, you, you kept growing in, the, in, in each department and, and you know, moving up the ladder and things like that. I was trying to, I guess myself and everybody else in the company were trying to find where's the best place for Josh, you know? Um, and the more I did things, the more I enjoyed the sales end of it um, and you know, growing the business. And, and I thought that was exciting, um, but I couldn't really get to that until I sat in some of these departments. So. I spent a ton of time, which I still do, traveling. I travel overseas um, for the procurement and buying product and development, um, which became a huge part of my life. And um, that helped because obviously you're, you're going from point A, where the product starts, development, creation, to delivery to the end user, to the consumer, the retailer. Um, so I got to see the whole way the business worked. And to me, that was exciting. I mean, I'm a sales guy at heart, so the thrill of it, the thrill of the chase, the prospecting is something that I, at almost 50 years old, still have a, the same hankering for every day. I, I talk to younger guys in the sales world who are coming in, not just in the furniture industry, but in other industries. And um, I can see their excitement and, and they, want it, they want it fast. I was the same kid. But at the same time, the, the conversation is when they, they find someone and they land someone or they just even get someone who answers them. I know exactly that feeling they have because I still get it. And so I know I, that's why I still love what I do. Yeah. And especially since like I'm in sales, like I just have to ask you a question. Like what are your top three or five things that you would say to a salesperson who's really just starting off? Okay. 
so not so much a philosopher. Um, I'm a big, uh, I always say, show me, don't tell me. So whenever I've hired people, you know, you interview people all the time and they tell you all these things they're going to do for you. And I can open up this account or I can grow your business this way. And I'm just a big, show me, don't tell me. Just, just do it. And then your work will tell who you are. So less like flapping your lips, people will say, and just do the work. Um, so that's a huge one for me. Like instead of boasting all the things you've done, let your work tell the story for you. Um, for years I've networked to the largest retailers in the world. Um, so when people say, oh, I need to, I need to reach out to a target, or I, I, how do I get connected to this person from all my networking years and my relationship years, that has been a, been a big part of my, my life. So it takes time to do that. Um, and to me, people know that about me. So I think at the end, it's, I don't have to tell them what I can do. I can just say, I have these relationships here and you know, it'll be very helpful if you have the right product or you have the right backend and a good story here, then there's a combination. Um, I'm trying to remember the second part of the question. I thought there was a, another part that I missed. Oh, other piece of advice? Yeah. I think the best piece of advice I could say is, um, and it's, it's very, for sales-wise, it's show up, follow up. So I think most sales guys get excited they, uh, they get a prospect, they open an account, and then they leave it right there. They can't close it. They can open the door, but they can't close it. And so to me, you could be a rock star in any industry, especially in sales, if you do two things. You show up when you say you're going to, and you follow up when you say you're going to. Most people get so excited, they finally get somebody interested, they start doing some business, or they start talking to the person, they never follow up. And that happens in every business and everything. I'm sure you've already seen it yourself. Even if you are calling a plumber to do work in your house and they come out and they spend time or some contract and they, they give you an estimate on your home, they spend all this time and then you never hear from the person again. And it's like, why did they waste all that time at my house doing all this work or with me, all their business time and, I, and I'm chasing them down now? Yeah. So simply just show up when you say you're going to and follow up when you say you're going to. That's what most buyers or most people, most people want. Just, if you say you're gonna do something, do it. Do what you say you're gonna do. What is it, under promise and over, over, under promise and over deliver? Yeah. That's pretty simple. Like I said in the beginning, I don't think it's, um, I don't think there's this secret syrup or serum to any of this stuff. I think it's, it's simply follow steps one, two, three. Do exact, work hard, do what you say you're gonna do, People will begin to trust you on what you're going to do and your reputation from doing those things will help you along the way. People will continue to recommend you and say, oh, he was great. He told me he'd do this by this point. He did. He told me he'd get it by this point. He did. He, and when he couldn't do it, he told me that too. And I think that's a really important part of it too. Mm -hmm. You can't be everything to everybody. So don't try to be. Um, I don't think I'm an innovator. I don't think I'm, I'm not creating an iPod, an iPhone. I'm not that yeah. guy. Um, I think that it's a, a recipe of hard work and um, knowing my industry, at least mine enough, that you know what works and what doesn't. You know, I love people who say to me, oh, you should try this. 
And I said, well, I'm, I'm not in that business. And that sounds great. You can do that. I'm going to stick with what I know what I know. And I know what I don't know. And so I'm going to stick with what I know. Because um, that's been successful for me. Not yeah. saying I wouldn't try new things. I'm, I'm all about that. But I, uh, when it comes to, you know, there's a finite amount of time you have to do things in a day, in, in a month, in a year, in your life. So uh, chasing something down a rabbit hole over here uh, could be a bad investment or a bad uh, idea for your business when you should be putting those efforts into something like, I do really well here, and so I'm going to stay focused as much here as I can because I'm seeing the su success here. Why would I take my eye off the prize or my focus off this part? Even though this is over here, right? Yeah. The times that I've taken those risks where I think it's like, let's uh, let's try this, which is all about trying new things. Um, most of the times when it's a little off the beaten track, it doesn't always work out, right? So if I get a little far away from what I know well, I go, no, it wasn't like a home run like I thought in my head, you know, it would turn out to be. Dr. Oh, question. Um, is there a difference as far as the relationship building between, say, personal people and actual corporations? And building your name and getting your brand in, um, as far as like a reputable person, and like say when you're making connection with a big um, corporate chain, sure. Um, is there a certain process you take that's different than a typical like, hey, this is who I am, follow up, this typical relationship building method? I think it's uh, obviously smaller, smaller companies. It's obviously sometimes a little more approachable. Obviously, a lot easier in ways because you can get connected to them in a quick way. Uh, you walk into the store, probably meet a buyer if that's it, or an owner and things like that. Um, LinkedIn, obviously, I know you and I have talked about LinkedIn is extremely powerful. By the way, I got on it, insane. Yeah, I already have a network of like 50, 100 people. Yeah, right now. That's, that's crazy. It's great. Yeah. You'll just keep growing that and growing that. And that's what it is. It's it just it's this like massive tree that has branches everywhere and doesn't end. Um, so I, I found that to be a really, really strong part of my business and helped me prospect mm -hmm. and meet new relationships and, and you know, open up doors for me. Um, and so it's been helpful for the larger corporations because there's a little bit of a, a door, a couple doors to get through for that. Um, and so, yeah, I think that there's, is there different methods? Not as easy to pick up the phone and call Walmart corporate, you know, in Arkansas and say, I want to talk to the buyer for accent chairs. You know, yeah. it doesn't work like that, <laughs> you know? So sometimes it's, you know, back when I was younger, I think that I thought I could do it all, right? I, I could open up every account on my own. So that was like my game. Like I, I don't need anyone else, but the truth is you have to hire sales reps because this guy really has that great relationship with this guy over here. So I could spend years mm. trying to do what he's already had. So why wouldn't I just hire him and he can help me and I'll get there a lot quicker. And in the beginning, you don't want to do that. You want yeah. to do it all on your own. But after a while, when you're checking off the box of, I've opened up this one, I've gotten this one, I've, I see the success, but to really grow your business and obviously you want to be more successful and grow your income and things like that, the best way you could do that in that sales world is get some more sales guys who have those relationships. Because there are still people that I'm still going after and prospecting that I don't know. I spend more time prospecting a sales rep who may know that person or a sales organization or a team um, that does that. So one, I don't have to do all the dirty work, right? They can, they can work and do it for me while I'm still focused on what I know. 
and they're building that. So it's things like that. That's interesting. For someone that is completely new to LinkedIn, and how would you tell them to start their first strategy as far as networking and their name out there and just building more connections? What would be your baseline strategy? Okay, so I have a little experience with this right now because I'm doing it with uh, my son um, because he's in college and he's just starting to work on maybe getting an internship. But even in college, it's actually a great time to start building your resume on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is such a young company that we haven't seen like really what it could do for all of us and it'll continue to grow and we don't know what LinkedIn will be in three years and five years. Yeah. Um, so I think now's a great time to start that. Um, even earlier, high school is great too. But uh, I would say build a very professional profile on there. Uh, make sure you know it represents you well. It doesn't matter how much information you have. Uh, as I was doing it with my son, I said, oh, we should do this for my daughter. She was in high school. And she was like, well, why do I need it? I said, doesn't, doesn't hurt the habit. And it's a good training method of, hey, let's just see how we do it. So you, you, know, you look on LinkedIn. Some people have a professional picture on there. Some people have a photo that kind of makes them look relatable or personable. And uh, I think that's smart, especially when you're younger. You know, it gives you that, hey, I'm a, you know, I see a lot of things out there on LinkedIn that person's wearing almost like, not a tuxedo, but a jacket and tie. They took a picture at CVS, almost like a passport picture. I'm, I, I get that they're trying to have that professional look. I mean, I think it'll be better if you're more approachable. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a Thai guy, so here's, you know, maybe sitting somewhere or whatever, I think that helps. I think uh, on LinkedIn, you should have a good story and bio on the bottom, nothing crazy enough where if someone's passing by your um, your page, they can read real quickly, something of interest, you could have a, a quote or something that you believe in. So somebody do immediately go, hey, I believe in that. Um, and then start building what's important to you on there and whatever you're interested in, start connecting to those people in a genuine way. Don't just start clicking, clicking, clicking. Find somebody in your industry, connect with your network of people you already know. And just from that, it continues to grow. And you'll be surprised to see, as you saw yourself, that it grows quite quickly, right? First of all, you start realizing, oh, I didn't know uh, this person knew this person. And I think it goes full circle back to what I said in the beginning is, if you talk to enough people, you start, re you start realizing, oh, it's, I met this person. Let me click in on LinkedIn with them. I connect. Now I'm connected. And they show you where, who else they may be friends with that you may know, right? And all of a sudden, you're going, wow, this is, this is growing quite quickly. I didn't realize they know this person. And you're, you're just learning and learning about more people. Then when you're ready to connect to someone, you already have a network ready for you that you already built just from the people you knew because they have another huge network. And that's where that tree with the branches go. Yeah, like so it's basically like a big snowball that's kind of just rolling in. Yeah, gotcha. it's interesting. So I do a ton of business overseas, right? We import uh, from Asia and everything. So I get a lot of connections uh, or requests for connections from factories overseas. And so in the beginning, I would always just accept and accept and accept. And then after a while, I was like, okay, all they're trying to do is just sell me product and sell me product and stuff like that. So I stopped, I became a little more specific on who I accept. So I don't have this just network of just some of these factories are gone now, you know, like, so, yeah. but it's helpful as well because you never know where you're going to be in Asia and all of a sudden you remember somebody or 
I'm there, I'm at a, at a show in Shanghai, and I could look through LinkedIn and we can we can see what it is and say, oh, this is yeah. um, this is interesting. I, I forgot that I connected with this person four years ago. And it's hard when you have 7,000 people or whatever it is on LinkedIn, you don't have to remember everybody, but certainly helpful. And I think actually the biggest thing is you connected with someone now, it doesn't mean you're going to do business with them now or have a relationship with them now, but it could mean something all the way down the line, right? And you realize 10 years later, five years, whatever it is, I, I, I remember I connected with a person in Chicago for this. Boom, you go back and now you have that there. Got you, got you. So with all these connections, how do you balance um, work and family? Uh, so I think uh, I started doing that when I moved here, uh, doing a little more work-life balance. Um, since I love what I do, um, I can do it all day long. I'm very lucky that I can do it from anywhere. Mm. Technology has made it extremely easy where if I have a laptop and a phone and a quiet environment, you know, I can I can connect with people and, and do business that way. I think that's changed dramatically with a lot of people. Obviously, COVID made it easier for a ton of people, um, millions of people. But I think that um, the... I lost my train of thought on that one. Big question one more time. Uh, I would say, how do you balance work and balance? balance. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I would probably say some people would say, my wife would probably say I don't balance it very well. You know, I, uh, I work from home. I've been doing that for a very long time. Uh, and eat still at 7 o'clock, 7.30, she'll come up and say, are you coming down for dinner? Yeah. I'm sitting in my office. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come down for dinner. And I have no commute, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a sta- staircase. Um, but I think that as your kids grow up and you want to spend more time with them and it's important to them, uh, it's important to you, right, uh, to do. That's how I, I balance it. Um, when it comes to prospecting, I, I'm a very organized, efficiently, I'm all about efficiency. I'm very big on ROI mm-hmm. for my time. If I'm going to spend time doing this, how is the ROI, what's the ROI for me on this? Like, this is a great conversation, but I don't know if I'm going to get anywhere. Um, but, you know, when you're younger, you're, you're doing, you're trying, you're going every direction, trying to do things and learn. So uh, when I was growing my business, I was, there's no balance. I traveled a ton. I used to leave on Sunday nights. Um, I, I, back in my uh, wife's family business, I, uh, we had 40, almost 60, 40, 45, 50 reps, sales reps all over the country. Um, at one point I was managing all of them. And so I would leave on a Sunday night and come home on a Thursday and repeat the next week. And I would do that for a few years and that takes a toll on you. As a young guy, no matter who you are, it's just I'm not built to be on the road every day when I have young children. Then I would start growing our business overseas and I would travel overseas a lot. Not a great balance there because you're really never home. Um, but I learned so much from it. Um, and then when I wanted to move to Florida, I think the conversation was really about can you balance, from my wife especially, like we talked about, can you balance your life more to move here? To make it worthwhile move here because if we're going to just move here and you're going to just never be here then why are we moving and i guess i wanted to be here so yeah i changed my habits a little bit um at that point my my career moved a little bit but i, I was uh, the family business so i was moving away from that i was really going out on my own at that point um i started uh, working with somebody who gave me the opportunity said you should move to florida like i know that's something you always love to do and 
you know, go what makes you happiest because if you're happy, you're going to be happier person working. You're going to be, you know, always just, just being, doing better things because you're in the environment you want to be in. And uh, I think we're all products of our environment, right? So grew up in New Jersey, lived in New Jersey, uh, didn't love the weather, didn't like the gray skies all the time in the winter, um, bundling my kids up when they were little, all that stuff. Yeah. And I think my wife and I at one point said, uh, hey, we can, we can try this. And uh, nothing says that we, if we didn't like it, we could move back. But at least we could try it. Yeah. And I had the opportunity in business to be able to move and see if it would work. And so that really helped with the balance. I have a question. So what was the biggest change that you made? Was it uh, like a belief or was it a skill trait that you had that you can delegate more to allow you to have more time? What was the limiting factor that you then removed to get to that level? So at my, at my, at my old, at my family business, I, I did everything. I was a person who just did so many things. I was responsible for so many different things. And while I was in it, I didn't realize that that probably wasn't the best thing to do because I wasn't really focused on one thing. I was focused on like a hundred things a day. Couldn't get all these things done, right? So when I had the opportunity to then go and become just focused on growing the sales of something, it was really, and believe it or not, when I went from working in a office environment with so many employees and all this travel to then working at home and having an office in my house. I remember the first months or so, the first year just working at home, and that was before I even lived here, I started realizing it was the most efficient work that I was accomplishing because there was nobody, there's no distraction. Nobody would come in uh, and say, oh, I need you in this meeting. Can you take a look at this? Can you put your eyes on that? I didn't have to do any of that. Uh, the network of people or the people I was working with when I started working from home, they were in their own offices. And first off, I found that they were more efficient because I wasn't there. They were doing it on their own. Obviously, you need self-sufficient people who can do it. Um, and so I found myself becoming just more focused on one thing. And, and it took time to realize, wow, you know, I learned so much from doing a hundred different things you should really be focused on one thing, one thing that you could just keep carving and, and working at and improving and, you know, your skill set to doing it. So I think it's a, that was a, a good defining moment for me as I transitioned from working from a large company with being in an office, doing so many things, having all these responsibilities to working in, you know, for myself, focused on one thing. Uh, I think it made me sharper of a person. Even with just, I, I still feel this way. I could sit in my my office at home here, and I can you know, have the music on, or maybe I have the news always on in the corner, and I don't watch it, but I know it's there, and I'm fully concentrated on one thing. There's no distraction, and to me, that makes me that makes my my day of work, I get way more out of it than I would have. I, I miss a commute. I don't have a commute. Yeah. I don't have 900 people. I'm certainly I'm on um, Zoom calls all day. 
So I'm obviously interacting with people every day. I travel to offices, so I meet people there. Um, so there's, there's human contact all the time. It's not like I'm just sitting in a room, not talking to anyone. Um, so, and I'm, and I'm going to places, I mean, pre-COVID, traveling and, and meeting people all the time. So, um, what was your process of putting people in leadership roles that you can actually trust? Did you have like a vetting process to, because I know if you delegate something, you really want to have that peace of mind if you're going to delegate it, that sure. they got it taken care of. What was your framework of going about that? So I think that's, a, that's something that I'm constantly still doing. Um, I'm probably, I would say that's my weakest strategy, my weakest point of trusting people. Uh, I'm still a believer in like, if you, if you don't do it yourself, uh, it won't get done right. It won't yeah. get done, but you have to trust people um, to grow. And so you have to put people in positions where they make mistakes. You have to accept that they're going to make the mistakes. Um, and so you're going to have to, uh, part of it's just a gut feeling on, you know, who you're dealing with. I don't think it's just in business, but who you're friends with and, you know, things like that. And you know, people you associate yourself in, in life. So I think that it's a trust thing and hard to let go after, you know, time. You have to want to grow your business. You're going to have to start trusting people to do it. And you know what? They start proving to you that they can do it on their own. You do it again and repeat and you do it again. So um, I would love to continue to hire more salespeople. Um, but I, I, I want everybody to have the drive like I do. I want them to think like I do every day, the way I do things for my business. And um, I think that's probably... The most critical thing because half the time I'm like, oh, these people don't follow the show up, follow up. So, or the show me, don't tell me. They just tell me all these things they can do. And half the time, probably more than half the time, it disappoints, right? Like, oh, it's been a year. You're working on these two accounts and what happened? Nothing. We haven't opened up anything. So I've got to move on. And now I've learned from that, right? Do you have uh designated hr in your company or do you do most of the onboarding um it's mostly somebody else who does all that i mean when it comes to sales stuff it's always it's, okay it's yeah. definitely me uh, i'm prospecting sales teams uh i'm prospecting groups of people um you know there's always the argument do you bring someone in or a group of people in who have all the connections and know what they're doing and have all this stuff and know, yeah. know your industry so you don't have to teach all that or do you bring in, you know, there's always that conversation. Can I bring a guy out of high school or college who's just so hungry, I can mold him to be whatever I want, but I've got to start from scratch. Um, I've got to hope that I don't teach him all these things and then he runs away and now he's doing it somewhere else. I mean, truthfully, if you could sell this or this and you have that gift of gab and you, you're genuine, right? Because that's really what it is. Make people trust you and believe in you because you believe in what you're selling then i think it's pretty much done you know so it doesn't matter people can jump from industry i guess the industry i don't know if that's the best thing because you continue to stay in the same one you become an expert in your field um so i spend most of my time trying to find them myself yeah and i, I think one thing that you like really caught my attention was like how hungry you are, like, especially if you're out of college or high school. Cause it's like, when I was still in high school, I, I knew I wanted to do real estate. So I went to 20 other offices and I was like, Hey, 
Um, I'm still in high school. I don't know anything about real estate, but I would love to enter here and work for free. And, and you know, teach me. Twenty people said no to my face, and I was like, and I was like, whatever. And I, I go to this one place, and I, and I say, hi, my my name is Sean. I'm hungry. I gave him a whole spiel, and he was like, okay. He was like, find a desk and start working. Sure. After like five or six months, I closed four or five deals and one point five million dollars real estate later. And he's like. Yeah. He's like, look, I had guys in the office who just who just wouldn't work and who had all these college degrees and it's like, look at you. So I, I would say hunger is like big yeah. on like if you're going to hire someone. And then um, and I would say what's big for him too is like me and him also went under like a three year contract. So I would say like if you're if you're worried about the guy leaving, then like it's like it's good to have a system in place that kind of checks and balances that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, a lot of it's just like I said from the beginning. I think a lot of it's just drive and hunger and and I'm wanting to learn you know you're so ambitious that you want to you know when I was I'm, I, I think I'm still the same way but when I was younger I just wanted to learn everything about so when I here I was you know working in the credit department you know collecting money you know yeah I wanted to know every aspect of it I wanted to know how the printer worked I wanted to know I swear I wanted to know it all I wanted to be the best one in that department uh, I was the first person there the last person to leave but it wasn't just about the hours, it was about what did I do in those hours? How did I learn? How, not that I wanted my boss's job or the manager's job in that department. I just wanted to learn because it's all a puzzle, right? So how did that puzzle fit into here to fit into here? And then I think in the beginning, the first few years, I probably didn't even get, right? I didn't even get the concept of it. And then it just, I don't know what it was, probably just clicked. Yeah, that's um, huge, yeah. I remember I sat in the inventory department for a few years where I was in charge of reordering. And that was a big defining moment for me because I kept doing it and doing it. And that's a, it's a real tough job because you have to, you know, it's an ebb and flow of when things are, I always call it throttling inventory because you have to bring it from all different places all over. Some people have a lead time of this and this, and you don't know this, you have to look at sales history. So it's a lot of math back then. There wasn't a ton of computer algorithms to help you. Uh, so you, I literally do it with green bar paper. I don't even know if you know what that is, huge reports and as I would do it, I would go into uh, like the boss's office and I would say, hey, we are selling a ton of these. Do you know that? But we also sell these over here in this color. They're very similar. Maybe we should spend more time in this, in this category. And so they were like, hey, you should be coming to shows with us to learn how to buy this stuff because you can really lend what you just showed us. So that got me into the buying, which yeah. I really enjoyed because that showed me another aspect of it. And, you know, I got to develop product and things like that. And uh, at the same time, it got me to network, right? I got to go to trade shows. And uh, one of the things I think that helped me the most was I would go to every trade show that I could in my industry. I would participate in every social event that I could at those trade shows. I don't golf, but I would sign up for the golf tournament and I would go and I would golf. and. Probably made a fool of myself golfing, but I made connections. I was, oh, and I still am that way where I go places, I make sure who's going to be there. I want to make sure on my checklist, I want to meet these people, put myself in a position where I'm sitting near them, sitting in front of them, speaking to them. So I have at least the opportunity yeah. to see if I can connect with them. So, especially since you worked at all aspects of your company, including even working the printer, did you know like how much scalability was in your company and how much growth there was to come? Um, I think as I did more things, I started looking at the potential of what it was. Um, 
when I first got there, they were doing very little importing from overseas. Most of their importing was from uh, domestically, and Asia was really starting to grow in, in many industries, uh, but the home furnishing industry as well was growing. And I had studied some international business. I always knew, like, when I left school, it was all about, you know, going overseas, cutting your costs. So I had spent some time doing that. Um, and I think, you know, I had the opportunities at the company where they were like, yeah, we should open an office overseas. So I said, okay, let's go open an office overseas, you know. And then it was like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you go ahead, open the office overseas, stuff like that. So I was young and I figured, what a great learning opportunity. What do I have to lose? Um, so I just spent a ton of time traveling overseas, which, you know, you, meet, you, you interact with different cultures. You're, you're meeting international businessmen. You're learning a ton because now you're meeting businessmen from, you know, in China and Malaysia and Taiwan and Vietnam. And you're, you know, 28 and, and yeah. you're just trying to understand how it works. And you get a very fast education on how it goes. And you also see the world a little better, right? Because it's not just here. It's it's a, it's a huge world out there. So you have to interact with a lot of people. Got you. And then since you've been working there for so long, is there like an end goal? Or are, are you just going to work just to work? Um, like is there like a bigger picture? It's a great question. So first off, I our family business, I uh, left that. And we, we had, you know, moved on from that company. And I went out on my own and now work with uh, another team of people. Um, and so, uh, end goal, I don't know. I think I'm extremely young. Yeah. I think I'm extremely young in my industry. Uh, so I love what I do. I love working. Um, I have two kids and uh, one kid in college, one heading to college. So I'm definitely going to have to be working. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things on my bucket list that I want to do. Um, so I know continuing to work is going to have to, you know, keep going for me. Um, I don't know if there's a, an angle. Obviously, one day I'll, I don't like the word retire because I feel like uh, I'd be pretty bored. I'm, Fair. Yeah, I'm just not uh, that kind of person that would just say. hang up my hat and sit back and, I don't know, do nothing. Um, my dad's going to be 83 on Wednesday. He's not considered retired, even though he's a golfer, but he still does deals and, and, and um, is in business and has his hand in. And I think that's ambitious. Um, I think it's incredible. His mind is still sharp, which, you know, what do they say? An idle mind is the devil's playground, which is, you know, if you're doing nothing for a while, get yourself into trouble. Um, so I think uh, I, I think uh, I got a lot more to go, and um, I hope I can continue to learn from it. That's what I. Hope. So as we get to wrap up, um, it seems that your story has a lot to do with your work ethic and starting from the bottom and going up. What would you say to someone considering um, they don't feel college is as valuable nowadays, and how would you say that role and how it's so important? Okay, um, so. I put a lot of value on education. I think it's really important for a few reasons. I think, um, and, and I'll, I'll say two things. I think I feel very important that education is a huge part of people's lives because if you, you could fall back on what you've learned, so that helps you. Um, there's plenty of things in school that you learn, and it may not just be in the classroom, 
but just the interaction of yourself with so many different people. Um, and so, and, and like I, my example that I gave earlier was that I was a different kind of kid before college. So I wanted to branch out and become someone different. So that helped me. I think you find yourself a lot in college. Um, I know a lot of people say, well, just go right into business and you know, you don't need college. And I understand that. I've seen plenty of people do that. And I've seen extremely successful people do that. Um, but I still think education is important, very important. At the same time, for a guy who pays for education now for my kids, I think that the balance of it's gotten a little crazy of the cost of an education versus the what you get for it afterwards and how long it takes you to, you know, yeah, pay that's the big for thing. what you did exactly has gotten a little ridiculous. So I guess you may not need the most expensive education, but I believe you need an education. And so that would help you. And it could be just in your in your skill set or, you know, you can go to a craft school of, of what you're looking to do, right? You could be a carpenter and go to carpentry school. That's an education, right? Um, but I don't think you're going, if you're determined to learn, I don't think college would be a waste of time for you. Or I don't think an education would be a waste of time. If you're just going because your parents told you to go, and it's a free four years of a party, well, then I think your parents should reanalyze the, the amount of money they're about to blow. And I think you should, maybe that's the situation where the parents go, you're not actually going to college. We're going to have you working over here at Home Depot. Yeah. And, and, and we're going to test out what's going on here. Maybe that's the answer. I don't know. Nowadays, there's a lot of online courses. What do you, what would you say if someone were to just put the money that they would say for a normal college degree and they just spend that all on online courses and it's still like education, but it's not as government-ran, you would say? Yeah, well, I think it goes, I think learning is learning. Okay. So Fair. you may be really good at online learning and that's more important to you. Um, I'm not sure I would be great with so many online courses. Um, we just, here we are in COVID, right? Or the end of COVID, hopefully the end of COVID. Um, my son was in his freshman year, and he was literally for a year online, online in it, and that did not that was not great, not great, just not a great experience for a freshman in college. You should be going to classes, interacting, and learning. You know, for, there's no doubt a professor in front of you interacting and having those conversations versus being on a Zoom call. It's going to be a little different. There's no doubt. I've spoken to so many kids. In college, who've experienced it during COVID, I think all of them rather be, you know, they like sitting in their dorm room and laying in bed watching TV. Uh, they rather be in the classroom. Yeah, and especially like just to add on to that, I would say it's like, I mean, I would say there's nothing better than like actually like hands down like education, especially like like the way that you've been like I would say running it is that. I think your whole philosophy is education is the most important thing that like a man can get or even like a woman. And I would say it's like, I think, sure. I think that's very important. I would, I would say just to finally like wrap this up, I would just really appreciate you coming on. Oh, sure. And I think Thank you me. hit many points that it's like that, especially for our listeners that are just mind blowing. So. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. And last thing, was there anything that we should have asked that we didn't? No, I think you were, uh, you guys were great. I, the podcast is, uh, is great. I listened to a few of them already before I, had come and I told you that I really liked it and uh, any way I could help and help younger people at any age yeah. get some information. Uh, I think when you first asked me, I said, I don't know how much 
information I have uh, on what I do. You know, I just, you know, this wasn't something that I wrote down when I was 20 and said, let's do this. I just, and I think that happens in most people's worlds. If you told them, if, I, if people looked back and said, well, what'd you think? Did you think you'd be right here today? I'll tell you right now, there's no doubt in my mind that if someone told, asked me at 18 years old, but you're living in Florida, you know, and, and working upstairs in a room and and I and in the furniture business, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So uh, life takes you all over. Thank, Thank you. you. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Robert. Thank you.